This is The Writer's Voice, new fiction from The New Yorker. I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor at The New Yorker. On this episode of The Writer's Voice, we'll hear Edgar Carrot read his story, Mitzvah, translated from the Hebrew by Jessica Cohen, from the June 27, 2022 issue of the magazine. Carrot's books include the memoir, The Seven Good Years, and the story collections, Suddenly a Knock on the Door and Fly Already, which was published in 2020. Now here's Edgar Carrot. Mitzvah. Yogev and I sit on the tattered couch in his brother's living room, waiting for the molly to kick in. Yogev's brother is a dealer. He hates it when people call him a dealer, says he's just buying for friends, but he's the mother of all dealers, looks like a lizard, cold-blooded, takes money from his own little brother but gives him a 30% discount, like his generosity personified. While we wait for the high to kick in, he drones on about how this is primo shit, super pricey, and how we paid top dollar to the Dutchman who sold it to him, and now he's losing money on us. Yeah, right, Dutchman. I guarantee he bought the whole stash from some Arab kid in Jaffa. When this shit goes to your head, it's straight to the penthouse, he gushes. Rocket launch, no stops. Let's go, I say to you, Gev. We bought it, we popped it, now it's beach time. Yogev's plan is to get high and go pick up girls on the beach. He did with his brother once, got lit and went down to the promenade and came home with a Norwegian tourist. Normally, he wouldn't have the balls to talk to a girl like that, especially not in English. But the molly made Yogev feel powerful. You're so beautiful, he told her. If God appears on earth right now and grants me one wish, I'll ask him for 10 minutes to go down on you. If he says you can have another one, I'll ask for eternal life. If I get a third, I might go for peace in the Middle East, throw a bone to my country. But if he chips out and all I get is one, then it's just going down on you. Then he looked up at the clouds, like some deep shit, like he really was waiting for God to appear. The Norwegian chick laughed and said, You're cute. Fucked up, but cute. They spent the whole night going at it in his brother's apartment. She was so happy, she had tears streaming down her face. He cried too, from the joy, from the high, from both. Let's go, I tell you, Gabe, for the second time. We paid, we swallowed, let's get the fuck out of here. We said we'd go to the beach to find girls. Yogev doesn't move. This is the fourth time he's done Molly. And it's always the same thing. He doesn't feel anything, then he takes a shit. The stuff goes to his head only after he drops a load. It's like uncorking a bottle. It's not going to happen until I take a dump, he says. And the last thing he wants is for the urge to come when he's out. The bathrooms at the beach are all wet and stinky and there's never any paper. Even when there is, it's scratchy, doesn't breathe, like those napkins you get at a hummus joint next to a gas station. What's with the stick up your ass, Yogev's lizard brother asks me, flicking his 40-inch TV on the fashion network. Scared you lose your high before you get downstairs? This is primo shit. It will give you 10 hours at least. I guarantee it. I keep sitting there without saying anything. I'm not in the mood for a fight. 
On the fashion network, a flat-chested but pretty model is being interviewed. She talks a lot, but we can't hear what she's saying, because the TV is on mute. Yogev's brother gives her a horny look. He didn't take anything, he's just horny. Like Yogev, I'm not feeling the molly yet. It's my first time taking it. Put some music on, Yogev says, but his brother doesn't budge, just keeps looking at the model, moving her lips and being careful not to smear her mascara when she wipes a tear from her eye. Not now, the lizard hisses, without taking his eyes off the screen. You're interrupting the words I'm making up for her. I try to help out. Seriously, dude, I say to the lizard. Play us some music. Yogev's brother puts a finger on his lips, like a teacher, shushing me. Shh, he says. See her now? She's saying, It's been seven years since I got any, and I'm so ready for it. Seven, I say. That chick isn't even twenty yet. Then four, Yogev's brother says and lights a cigarette. Don't interrupt. Yogev's getting impatient. Go on, give us some music and a coke. His brother picks up a remote control from the table and turns on the stereo at top volume. It's trance, but the crap kind. Mindless beats. And the coke, Yogev repeats. I don't have any coke, his brother snaps. There's water in the tap. Yogev says he can't be bothered to get up, and then he heads off. But not to the kitchen, to take a shit. I watch the model do a hurtos at the camera, and I can finally feel the molly kicking in. Yogev keeps up his soundtrack. Now she's saying, I'd kill to be sucking on some dick right now, but only with a hot guy who knows what he's doing. In other words, he flashes his gross smile at me. You're out of luck, loser. Through the tampering bus line, I hear Yogev hollering in the bathroom like he's trying to lift a 200-pound weight. And then a plop. Or maybe I just imagined that. It almost sounded too loud, like someone threw a brick in the toilet. A minute later, he comes out sweating and says, Let's go. Outside, the sky is blue and reddish. The colors of the cars and the traffic lights get all mixed up in my head, but in a good way. A dry breeze cools my face. A bendy bus hunks and almost runs me over. Yogev turns seaward, moving fast. Every second we waste on Allenby Street is a second with no hot tourist. I try to keep up. By the great synagogue, a bald guy with a big black yarmulke stops us and mumbles something about a mitzvah. Not a penny on us, Yogev lies, but the bald guy keeps talking, says he's not after money, tells us about some eight-year-old dude called Sasson who comes every day for evening prayers, and on Saturday mornings too. Sixteen years the man hasn't missed the service, but today he didn't show up. So they call his cell phone and his son answers. Sasson's in the hospital, broke his pelvis in the shower. And now the sun's setting and they shot one man for a quorum. If we don't get ten men for the minion, it won't work, the bald guy says with a sigh, like the prayers are a cell phone that has to be charged with the right cable. Do a mitzvah, guys. Make up the minion for us. You gave laughs like an idiot. 
At first, he thought the bald guy was a bum. And now, he's confused. Me? Now? Prayers? Are you for real? You don't have to be religious, the bald guy insists. You don't even have to believe. Do it for your fellow men. It's like my car got stuck and you helped me jump it. Right, Yogev says. And what makes you think I'd help you jump your car if you got stuck? The bald guy comes close and puts his hand on my shoulder. He smells like airplane food. He looks at me with his enormous eyes, the eyes of a cow the second before it's slaughtered. To me, in my state, it looks like he's about to cry. Let's do it, I say to you, Gev. Let's pray, no big deal, come on, it's going to be a blast. Yogev shakes his head and walks away toward the sea. Splitting off from Yogev and staying on my own in the middle of Allenby, high as a kite, seems like a bad idea. But I can't leave the cow-eyed bald guy. I want to fuck, but I also want to be a good person. And praying is super easy, much easier than talking to girls. The synagogue is huge but empty. The bald guy brings me a prayer book and a white yarmulke with golden embroidery. It has a stain on it. Not exactly a stain, but a kind of a sticky patch caked with dirt. It's a gross shade of brown, but it's on the sides that doesn't touch your head. So I put the yarmulke on and fasten it with a hair clip. I haven't opened a prayer book since my bar mitzvah. Nine years, and I still remember my portion by heart, and how I was so afraid to mess up, and how they threw candy at me afterward, and one piece hit me in the eye. There are eight guys there, in addition to the bald one. Almost all of them have one foot in the grave. There's only one young dude with an earring and eyebrows plucked like a girl's. Of course he's the one who stands next to me, really close. Shows me where we are in the book. The letters are a blur and they look blue. But all I have to do is mumble anyway. When we get to the end of the page, he turns it for me. Maybe he's not gay. Maybe he's just nice. Or maybe he's gay and nice. My phone rings. It's Yugev. Where are you? I ask him. No clue, he answers. But he sounds chill, like it's all good. Turn it off, Ewing Dude whispers. This is God's house. It's not right. I hang up, but Yugev calls back a second later. I don't pick up, so he texts. But it's just random letters that don't form any words. I hope he's okay. I want to help him, but I feel bad about hearing dude and about God. They're up to Shema Israel, and I remember that one, so I shout it out because I want everyone to know I know all the lyrics. When the prayers are over, all nine of the men shake my hand and say I did a mitzvah. The fact that I hang up the phone when hearing dude asks me to is what wants them over. The bald guy asks if I need a ride somewhere. He has a moped. I try calling you, Gev, but it goes to voicemail. Take me to the beach, I say, and the bald guy nods and hands me a helmet. He drives really fast, or maybe that's just how it feels because I'm high. I hold on to him and try not to tip over. When he drops me off at the promenade, I say thanks and walk away, but he calls after me pointing at my head. He wants his helmet back. Even though it's dark, 
There are still people on the beach. Two women are walking toward me. One of them is tall. Pretty. If I were you, Gav, I'd probably say something to her. She and her friend walk past me, and I just keep standing there. But then the pretty one turns back. Are you okay? She asks. You're shaking. It's the pretty one who says that. Not her pimply friend. It's the pretty one who's worried about me. She takes an interest. She cares about me. It must be a reward from God. I want to tell her something. Something good. But I can't think of anything. I try to remember what you gave to the Norwegian girl. And I stretch out a smile and say, If God comes down from a cloud right now and grants me a wish, I'll ask for 10 minutes to go down on you. I know there's another part, but I can't remember it. The ugly one says, Let's get out of here. The pretty one makes a hurt expression and they both turn and walk away. Maybe it wasn't a reward from God after all. Or maybe it was, but it didn't work because I couldn't remember the ending of the spiel, only that it was funny. Something to do with peace in the Middle East. I walk around looking for Yogev. Maybe he's back at his brother's place with a girl, and the lizard is in the living room, watching the fashion network and dubbing some Chinese model with high cheekbones while Yogev blows his wad. No way. He has to be here somewhere. I just have to keep looking. All of a sudden, I fall on the sand. Or did someone knock me down? A guy is hovering above me like Superman. He's kind of tall. He says something that sounds like a curse, and then he kicks me or, or throws something heavy at me. I think it was a kick. My head is spinning from being high or from being kicked. The pretty girl is there too, and so is her friend. The pretty one grabs Superman and pulls him off me. Maybe it was God after all. Maybe it's my reward for not taking Yogev's call in the synagogue. That stoner could be anywhere by now, but he's probably further down the beach, sitting next to a tourist, asking what her horoscope sign is in his crappy English. Superman gets away from the pretty girl, runs back and gives me another kick in the ribs. Doran, stop, the pretty one screams, enough. She has a gentle voice, even when she's shouting. A pretty girl's voice. He keeps kicking me. I wake up on the beach. I can only open one eye. There's scent stuck to my face. Stuck to the blood on my face. Superman is gone. But the pretty girl's still here. Handing me a can of coke. She says they didn't have any water at the kiosk. I try to drink. But I can't swallow. A guy in a baseball hat comes over. The pretty girl tells him something about what I said or about that guy, Doron, who beat me up. The baseball cap looks at me and says, he should lie down. And the pretty girl tries to smile, but the smile is lopsided. She says something I can't understand, and then the word ambulance. And although her mouth is completely crooked now, and she's almost crying, she's still pretty. I've never been with a pretty girl. I don't even mean sex, just sitting on the same towel at the beach, talking. It was really nice of her to buy me a Coke. That was Edgar Carrot reading his story Mitzvah, which was translated from the Hebrew by Jessica Cohen. 
He's been publishing fiction in The New Yorker since 2012. You can hear more New Yorker fiction read by the authors on newyorker.com and on the New Yorker apps available from the App Store or from Google Play. On the New Yorker Fiction Podcast, we invite writers to choose stories from the magazine's archives to read and discuss. This month, Rachel Kushner reads Come Into the Drawing Room, Doris, by Edna O'Brien. You can subscribe to that and other New Yorker podcasts by searching for The New Yorker in your podcast app. Tell us what you thought of this podcast by rating and reviewing The Writer's Voice in Apple Podcasts. Our theme music is by Jordan Batiste and Ross Michaels of North American Plastics. The Writer's Voice is produced by Michelle Moses. I'm Deborah Treisman. Thanks for listening.